makes you such a threat? We choose the right to be who we are. We know the difference between the reality of freedom and the illusion of freedom. There's a way to live with Earth and a way not to live with Earth. We choose the way of Earth. It's about power. Chasha. Greetings and good day and welcome, my relatives. I shake your hands with good feelings in my heart. Good for all of us to be here. And in addition to relativity, this is First Voices Radio, and I send you greetings and strength from the east gate of Turtle Island where the sun and the water touch the earth at once. I'm Teoka Zen Ghost Horse, and this is an all-native hosted, all-native produced First Voices Radio. And Liz Hill is a producer of First Voices Radio. Our studio engineer guide is the Malcolm Byrne. And now you can hear us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Buzzsprout, Spotify, as well as firstvoicesindigenousradio.org for archive downloading and listening. And we'll be talking with Dakota Yazi of the Earth Surface People, which originally started in 2015 by multi-instrumentalist Dakota Yazi and jazz saxophonist Jai Ram. Right out in Arizona's Earth Surface People, Mel's influence from hip-hop to neo-soul, psychedelic art, rock, and Americana. And Earth Surface People is an indigenous Dene or Navajo-led music collective whose work is based in decolonizing popular music through indigenous storytelling and history. Earth Surface People is Cochise Yazi, whose synth and Ken Chavez bass vocals, Zach Dominiquez, Keyboard drums, Dakota Yazi, his guitar, vocal, synth, and Jai Ram right out his saxophone. And you can find them on Facebook by typing in Earth Surface Peoples, right? And through earthsurfacepeoples.bandcamp.com and look for the 500 Years EP. And joining us will be Matthew O'Neill, also who's a musical artist based in the Catskill Mountains and seeking to create connection with indigenous peoples and amplifying indigenous musical ways through the underwaterpanthercoalition.com website. And now, our conversation with Dakota Yazi. Yeah, my name is uh, Dakota Yazi, uh, originally from Tuba City, Arizona, which is on the Navajo Reservation. And I'm the manager and songwriter behind Earth Surface People, um, or as the, in Diné, uh, 
we would call ourselves uh, uh, which means the spiritual earth surface people. Um, and that's how as a as a peoples and as a tribe how we would refer to ourselves is no cut the um and so the the name behind the band is um taking a portion of that name um taking out the spiritual part of it um in and in my mind it's kind of a, a respect thing of just keeping it down to uh, earth surface people and the, I guess the impetus behind that is that the the concept behind the band is that it's always an ever-changing lineup, um, and there are always new collaborators coming in and out, um, tribal and non-tribal peoples. And so that's kind of what I set out to do when I first started the project. Um, and now we're probably up to like maybe 30 or 40 collaborators from multiple nations. Um, and so luckily we have lived up uh, to the name of Earth Surface People. Dakota Yazi, when I heard the term Earth Surface People or hear the term Earth Surface People used before, and while it has connotations of how the Dene or Navajo had come to the earth, am I close in this thought? Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's kind of an explanation of um, how we've come to be in this uh, fourth world, the glittering world. From my understanding, we started off in the first world, which is the black world, and we've ascended these different worlds. And in in these worlds, there were our, our different gods and deities and cultural heroes who kind of arose and fell and do the consequences of their actions and things that are sometimes outside of their control as well, these worlds have subsequently perished or have uh, been destroyed. And so in this this fourth world is the world that we reside in right now. And so when we emerged into this world, we then became Nokadiendena, which is we became the spiritual or surface people. So the first track off the album 500 EP, Naichi, there's a history behind this. And if you would honor us by telling the history behind the meaning of Naichi, I can think of a lot of things that I hear within it, even though it may be a different language. There is somewhat of a grounding, I hear, that knowledge of Naichi. Yeah. Um, you know, speaking on uh, being named after different tribes and whatnot, uh, my brothers, they all have really interesting uh, names as well. You know, one of my... Uh, my younger brother, his name is Cochise, which is, of course, one of the uh, Chiricahua Apache headmen, um, or is like the Western mind understands them like a, the chief of the Chiricahua Apache. Um, and I've got another brother, his name is Narbana, um, who's also a, a Diné chief. And then uh, my older brother, Cody, his middle name is Barbancito, which is also another headman of the Diné. And my younger uh, sister's name is Nakona as well, which is uh, a Diné name. And so the name Naichi is, uh, actually comes from the Chiricahua Apache. And it was actually the, the last son of, of Cochise. I think he was born in the late 1800s. And so it was him and his older brother, Taza, 
who were fighting in skirmishes against the U.S. Cavalry. Taza ended up being uh, mortally wounded, and he passed away. A young Naichi had to become the the new headman of the uh, the Chiricahua Apache, and they were in skirmishes here in um, in Arizona, and specifically more over like southern Arizona. So Naichi is considered like one of the last chiefs of uh, I guess the older world before the people were fully colonized. And not to say uh, in, in spirit and or in longevity in time, but just colonized as in like from that Western historical perspective of colonized is how I'll refer to colonization in this conversation. Naichi was sent down to Southern Arizona and was fighting off the U.S. Cavalry. And they ended up in the mountains down there. They also ended up fighting against the, the Mexicans, against Mexican raiders. And they were uh, the Apache were the last people to be colonized. And so they were still fighting skirmishes well into the late 1800s. Um, and they were the last to surrender. And so Naichi ended up eventually getting caught. And before he got caught, he gave up his, um, his power over to uh, Geronimo. Because Geronimo ended up coming down to southern Arizona as well. And so they ended up getting captured together. And they got shipped off over to Florida. And they were incarcerated there for a few years. And I believe it was the Kiowa who were the ones who petitioned for them to come to Oklahoma because they were like prisoners of war. And it was actually through the through the Kiowa that they were able to secure some land out in uh, Oklahoma. And so that's how you have like some Chiricahua Apache uh, people out there in uh, in Oklahoma. And so the name of the song is is about uh, is about Naichi, who's the the last son of Cochise. The spirit of the song is, it speaks on a few things. The opening line says, carcass wrapped in Holocene. And Holocene being the, the time period that we're kind of in now where humans have kind of affected the environment on an incredible scale. And so the carcass, I guess, would then be like a representation of colonization. So it's wrapped in Holocene, kind of gives an opener for this EP. Um, and then the next line is, they killed Naichi in a fever dream. And luckily for Naichi, he, he actually was able to uh, live a full life. And he just died of uh, natural causes in his, in his late life. And so in that line, they killed Naichi in a fever dream. The context of it is that in, in history, we've kind of have forgotten these cultural heroes who have arisen over time. And so they being like um, the, the Western mentality has killed the idea of Naichi and the fever dream, of course, referring to colonization. In my mind, the way that I think about it is that they've kind of have perverted our cultural heroes over time so much so that we don't recognize their names and we don't know their stories and all that they've contributed to who we are as a people. And so then the next lines is, uh, I fell asleep and heard the crowd, silver violence touches ground. And so this idea of warfare. And so I, I wrote uh, this EP during 2020. It was at the height of the George Floyd protests and the height of a lot of things. I mean, a lot of things were happening in the Amazon. I know there are a few coups happening as well. It was a really overwhelming time and it still is now. I mean, that violence is still ongoing. And so this is uh, this EP was kind of my response 
to to all of that happening, all that violence that was happening. And it just deeply affected me. And so I just, I, I had to find some way to kind of let go of these things and put it in a place other than uh, other than my body or my soul. Caucus wrapped in holocene they killed Nietzsche in a fever dream Hold me close in the dying light Light my sage into the that was the first track, Nietzsche, off the album 500 Years EP by Earth Service People. And there's been collaboration with this album with other other producers, other musicians, and in this case, Matthew O'Neill of the Underwater Panther has 
collaborated with you. And so I'm wondering how you and Dakota Yazi had met Matthew O'Neill and where you're going from here. Hey, yeah. Dylan Ludwig is as Raven Sound Studios and and uh, Prescott, and he worked on Earth Surface People's first EP. He suggested them for this new Underwater Panther project that I had started. So I immediately loved it as well and appreciated it. And he put me in touch with Dakota about working together. So Dakota was kind of moving along with this EP already. I just was on the support level with this one, putting it out on Underwater Panther. So that's how it came about. And, uh, you know, it's an ongoing thing at this point. That's how we met through a mutual friend in Arizona. Well, thank you for that, Matthew O'Neill. Dakota Yazi, the whole collaboration you have completed with and maybe ongoing with with Matthew O'Neill, is there's a song, 1492, 1492, and as you know, the mantra for the last almost 30 years now, since 1992, has been bringing that concept, the terminology, the context of what that, what meaning is within and why it has become a mainstay of history and experience for Native people, especially now with the younger folks who have heard it growing up all their lives. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, and thank you so much, by the way, for, for hosting us. Uh, that means so much to us as as a band. I know everybody uh, in the collective is really extremely grateful and just uh, really uh, astounded. So thank you so much for that, first and foremost. Yeah, so 1492. It means a lot to, I guess, I always think of the Taino people and about how they're, they're the first ones to deal with uh, Columbus and the the Spanish and the Pope and the Catholic Church. And they're really kind of ground zero for this entire uh, colonial project. They definitely have lost the most out of um, out of everyone. And I have a few uh, Tayano friends. And so I think uh, nowadays it's it's kind of a marker for just overall invasion of colonialism. And so I think nowadays to this generation, it's kind of a blanket term for to refer to the Spanish and then also the the latter comers, the the English, British and um, the French and all the other colonizers who were to come overseas. Um, and so it's it's a it's a date that kind of lives in infamy, like across uh, Turtle Island. It also marks a, a shift, a paradigm shift from um some of these more traditional societies into uh, into colonial societies and the loss of uh, language and culture, the loss of uh, life, and the loss of like uh, ways of of being. And so I think that's kind of uh, what 1492 means to a lot of folks. Dakota Yazi, you just mentioned something that is king to the educational process that we have all gone through here in the Western Hemisphere, uh, the Western world, your Westerner thought process. And you mentioned the word colonial project, an ongoing mantra, if I could use that over again, is we learn it differently and we are forced to learn another people's way of history, life, and if I may say, their society and civilization. And within that being provisioned 
with education from the West, we have to also understand at the same time there are nine states within these united states that will not and have not and are planning to exclude, uh, introduce legislation and are not and willingly not wanting to include Native history and even Black history uh, in their educational curriculum. I think this brings the ideas of not wanting to talk about the elephant in the room. And uh, I think it's a little bit different for Native people who are actually talking about how did the elephant get in a room and who built the room and who built the building that contains a room that contains the elephant. So your thoughts about uh, this colonial project, the ongoing colonial project? I mean, I think of here in Arizona, uh, specifically, I can think of a time in 2009, 2010, 2011, we had a Sheriff Joe Arpaio, you know, was on his rampage. He had uh, tried to get across that bill, uh, SB 1070, which uh, allowed for cops to pull over anybody who looked like immigrants. That's kind of like what they worded it as, which is basically brown people, if we put it in black and white. Um, and even before that, uh, down in Tucson and uh, Phoenix, Mesa, uh, there was rules or legislation passed so that it was illegal for them to teach Chicano studies in these schools. And the reasoning for it was that um, I remember reading papers about it and stuff. And these are readily available on the Internet. Um, some of these uh, principals and people who are behind this legislation were saying that it was making these kids of Chicano descent, like, angry. It was making them uncomfortable. And it was creating tensions within the classroom. And so that, that was their whole reasoning of, like, pulling. They, they banned books. They literally banned books of Chicano studies. And so... I don't know. To me, that that's pretty wild. That was happening when I was probably in ninth grade. And so there's always been this like determination on, on the other side of the colonial project to not um, have accountability. I think most of all, I think that the colonial project is always afraid of a reflection of itself or a mirror of itself. And so if you teach these young Chicano kids about about their history, yes, they're going to be very angry. They're going to be very unsettled about how they came to be in this country and how their relatives are treated just south of this colonial border. So I think it's a very fanciful idea that that they can try to suppress history. And so what we try to do is try to be the opposite of that and try to make the history more readily available because we do have a lot of fans who are younger. And some some Indigenous children are being raised on on our music. Um, my hope is that one day they'll just have a understanding of all these concepts of like 1492, 500 years, they'll know cultural heroes like Nietzsche. Yeah, and they can, they can look into these things. And all of our songs usually have like a historical root to a majority mm -hmm. of them. Sunflower child running wild beneath the Sun. 
And that's Dakota Yazi of Earth Surface People. And we'll be right back here on First Voices Radio. Are you concerned for a friend or relative in their relationship? Stronghearts Native Helpline is here to help. Stronghearts is a free 24-7 confidential and anonymous domestic dating and sexual violence helpline for Native Americans and Alaska Natives. Connect with an advocate by calling or texting 1-844-7-NATIVE or by using the chat icon at strongheartshelpline.org. And welcome back to First Voices Radio. My name is Teokasen Ghostors. You'll be listening to the second half of Dakota Yazi with uh, our service people. And now part two of Dakota Yazi. Dakota Yazi, the um, idea about being basically DNA'd or have DNA of the land here in Turtle Island, as many Native people refer to ourselves, living and being and our languages are from the land, and uh, yet we are talking in a different language between you and I. We had to go through the process of education, and I quite often am you know, referring to the land, of course, and always understanding that there's a certain amount of education that takes us away from our truer being of, of being indigenous, and the type of education that we are really kowtowing to is one of the Western education, as I say. So I often ask guests, and I'm wondering if you might take a thought about and consider this uh, question, or statement rather, what does it mean when one educates the wisdom out of themselves, or are being told, as I was told, to be careful not to educate the wisdom out of yourself? And of course, I'm thinking about this next song that we will be playing is The River and the complexities of what the land brings and maybe the rearrangements of, of who we are according to land, to the water especially. Your thoughts on the statement of be careful not to educate the wisdom out of yourself. Not to educate the wisdom out of ourselves. Yeah, I think I think there's a, I think there's a lot of value within our communities and from our elders, from our women, from our men, our medicine men. And I think a statement like that, the way that it resonates within me is just, uh, you know, like my, my dad has always told me, you know, your, your first education is, uh, is prayer. Your secondary education is like what you learn at the school. 
that idea that you can, um, I don't know, you can always go so far into Western education and you can easily forget about the community that you come from or like why you're serving or uh, who you, who you are serving in the end. And so a song like river is kind of like uh it's a mantra that it's just repeated lyrics. Um, and it's kind of like within itself a, a prayer and coming a reminder to come back to the land and come back to self. Um, and in the scope of the EP, you know, we've gone over, a partial story of Nietzsche, 1492, 500 years. And there's a lot of like anger. There's a lot of resentment there. There's a lot of strong emotions. And so the idea of river is to kind of bring us back to square one and to not get carried away with, with anger and these ideas of displacement and to not become like victims. Uh, so the idea of river is just to, to ground oneself. And uh, Ken Chavez is the the vocalist on on that track, and they did such a wonderful job. Um, they actually rewrote the the song. I, I wrote it originally. They felt that it just it didn't have enough kick or flair to it. And one day they're like, you know, I just uh, it was it was a lot more pretty when I wrote it. And so Ken was like, you know, I'm not really feeling this whole pretty vibe. I think we should put some Spanish chords in there. And and I was like, all right, well then you should go ahead and rewrite it. Um, and then a week later they came back and they're like, Hey, I rewrote it. <laughs> and so that was, uh, that was great. And they're, um, they're of, uh, Pueblo, Hispanic, Mexican, Diné and Portuguese descent. And they're, they're an interesting part of the project because their identity kind of speaks to all of the things that we've gone over in this interview, because they, they have been like, um, disconnected from, from all of those tribal peoples throughout time um and they're from albuquerque and they're like i think they're like a third generation uh Burkenio. and so it was really great for them to actually sing that song because it's like a, a reminder that no matter how far away you get from your people or your culture or uh, that family that you can always come back to the land and so i thought it was beautiful it was very idiosyncratic that they wanted to rewrite the song and the fact that they sang it so beautifully as well.
And that was The River by Earth Surface Peoples off the album 500 Years EP. And we've been speaking with Dakota Yazi almost a full hour here on First Voices Radio. My name is Teoksen Ghost Horse. And Dakota, I'd like to get final thoughts about any final thoughts that you may have for the listeners in 500 Years EP by Earth Surface People. And it's been a pleasure talking with you and honor to have you here, Dakota. I just want to say uh, thank you. References in, in the music on Naichi, we also referred to the Pueblo people in the last line. Uh, Warpath Child, Take Your Land Back, Holy Warfare, Pull the Last Cord. Um, that reference is uh, to Pope and the Pueblo Revolt. I want to say thank you to uh, Albuquerque, the Tewa Tiwa Toa people. Um, thank you to the Dinette people and to the Chiricahua Apache. Yeah, I'm just I'm grateful to be a part of this project and to reference these things. And I do my best to try to be as respectful as possible and try to learn the proper histories and combining all of these things. Yeah. And so we're we're just grateful to to be a band in this time to where we can talk about these things, because um, I do know issues that other indigenous bands have had in the past, you know, of being blackballed and of being uh, treated so differently. I listened to the uh, Buffy St. Marie interview on here. I'm, I'm very fortunate to live in a time where we can express ourselves and that it does get across to our own people and on our own terms. So I just want to thank you, Tio uh, Kassin, to you and, and to your whole radio broadcast. It's been such a pleasure to be on here. And Matthew Neal has been standing by, listening in the wings, so to speak, and hearing this interview and the music that 500 Years EP with the Earth Surface peoples that you have actually supported and now have uh, are working to have more people hear it uh, out there in the public and out in native land and anywhere people can listen to it. How how would your thoughts go along with what Dakota Yazi of the Earth Surface people has been saying? and the involvement that we could have as listeners here in this country of Turtle Island. Well, I'm super grateful for having uh, to showcase Dakota and, and I appreciate his, uh, his well-spokenness. It really is an is a articulation of, of music that is super, super valuable in this world and having the space to uh, talk about it and share it is, is, I'm really grateful about that. You know, I think your appreciation is uh, it's that kind of form of reciprocity that we need more of. And I, and I encourage people to support the project by um, picking it up. There's underwaterpanthercoalition.com and then there's Earth Surface People. You know, if you go to the Bandcamp, you'll see there's the EP there and get a high-res download of that. And it's, it's incredible work that Dakota's doing, and this is just the beginning uh, of the super talented uh, situation. So, Again, thank you. Well, I have big appreciation for both of you joining us here on First Voices Radio, and I support the, the work you're doing, Dakota, and Earth Surface people, and thank you to Matthew O'Neill for, for giving us some thoughts also. Yeah, just been really awesome to have you here. Um, you all take care. Take care. Peace. I'd like to take you out with this last track on the 500 Years EP by the Earth Surface People. And this one is called 500 Years. Hope you enjoy it. Doksha Ake Wachinkatelo. My name is Tiokasen Ghost Horse, and you have been listening to First Voices Radio.
How many years is it gonna take to see my sisters being stolen away from here? These Indian wars, they don't ever end. They just find new ways to begin. A Danelle woman sets up shop on a dusty block in the summer shade. And she wore song Homes to the beat Of a thousand lifetimes Five hundred years Feels like a mirror To my soul Five hundred years Cut my hair My pages in the stone Take to see my sisters being stolen away from here. These Indian wars, they don't ever end. They just find new ways to begin. A Danelle woman sets up shop on a dusty block in the summer shade. And she wore song Homes to the beat Of a thousand lifetimes Nero calling For the end of days Electra follows in His footsteps
it gonna take to see my sisters being stolen away from here? These Indian wars, they don't ever end. They just find new ways to begin. A Danelle woman sets up shop on a dusty block in the summer shade. And she wore a song Hums to the beat Of a thousand lifetimes Five hundred years Feels like a mirror To my soul Five hundred years Cut my hair My pages in the stone Wasn't that cool and just smooth, as I say, with a V, smooth. And uh, my name is Teokson Ghost Horse. This is First Voices Radio, and I'd like to thank Dakota Yazi and the Earth Service peoples for bringing that to us and look forward to more in the future, to more of Dakota Yazi and the Earth Service peoples here on First Voices Radio as you you watch them grow. So I'd like to say that, and, you know, this is prime time, First Voices Radio. So I'd like to thank you and... and um, our producer, Liz Hill, and our engineer, Malcolm Byrne. So this is a little bit of Silver Lining by First Aid Kit. Something good comes with the bad, the song's never just sad. 